with uh, asking him to help us as we read his word. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for all the good things that you give us. Father, we know too that we live in a world of pain and evil. But Father, we thank you that you will come again to judge evil and to end the pain and to reign Father, as we read your word in the Bible today, help us to think about what it means for us. And please speak through John as he explains it. All this we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're now going to have our Bible reading and Ethan's going to bring that to us. Hey guys, my name's Ethan, um, I'm a second year psych student, um, and I'm going to read the Bible text. The passage is from Mark 8, 27, and goes to chapter 9, verse 1. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them not uh, to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they say, uh, see the kingdom of God after it has come in power. Hi there, it's really good to see you. I'll add my welcome to Sam's. Good to see you at Bible Talks. Um, I said yesterday, I'll say it again today, now's the time to make yourself comfortable. And I might just give you a heads up that we're going to do some heavy work, heavy thinking. It's going to get heavy. Um, and if you're uncomfortable in how you're sitting or um, having to turn to see uh, the screen, uh, now's the time to get comfortable. So, permission to stand and do a stretch or whatever you need to do. 
as you're doing that, um, I realise that if you're here yesterday, I was quite rude and I didn't introduce myself. Uh, so I thought I'd do that and a bit more with introducing my family. Um, my name's John and I'm married to Morena. We've got two kids and I teach the Bible on campus, especially amongst international students. And a fun fact about our family is that in our family of four, two of our first names, two of the four of us have, let's say, exotic European first names. There you go, that's a fun fact. Um, obviously mine is one of them, so that limits it down to two or three. And um, uh, you can find out if you really want to know. Welcome to Uni Bible Group. Welcome, especially if it's your first time to a Christian group or a Christian event in a long time, or perhaps ever. Really good you're here. I'm so glad you've come, because today we're hearing in the Bible from the God who cares deeply about all that he's made. At Uni Bible Group, we're on about knowing Jesus in the Bible together, and everyone, everyone is welcome. And that's why I want to say up front that after this talk, immediately after, I'm going to invite you to respond to Jesus by praying to God. Now, the words you have on that page, on the inside, middle column, down the bottom, starting with the words Heavenly Father. It's not a magical formula of special words, and we're not being manipulative, but we're being upfront and saying, here's a way to respond to Jesus today. Especially especially if you've been investigating him already. Sam's prayed for us. I'm also going to pray for us now because we do need God's help to understand uh, some of this heavy material we'll look at today. So you might like to bow your head or close your eyes and I'll pray for us. Our God and Father, thank you that we can hear you speak to us in the Bible today. Help us understand Jesus' words, who he is, who we are, and how he deals with evil for us. Help us respond appropriately to him. Help me speak in a way that's interesting and true to your word. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our theme this week is Jesus is coming. Jesus will come. Now we learn of his first coming in Mark's biography, but he's coming a second time. And today's topic, Jesus will come to judge Evil. Now, up there, that is a massive statement. Massive. And it should raise questions, especially like, what is evil? Now, my MacBook Oxford English Dictionary, which I often consult, defines evil as profoundly immoral and wicked. Profoundly immoral and wicked. But by whose measure? Perhaps like me, you think terrorism meets this definition. That sinking feeling of, oh, what's happened when news breaks around the world somewhere? London, Manchester, Berlin, Paris, Nice a year ago, that horrible image of the truck, Sydney, and going back to when I was an undergraduate student, 
New York. But there's also Lahore two weeks ago and others in Pakistan that we don't hear so much about. Maybe you think of corrupt leadership as evil. People exploiting vulnerable people, whether political leaders like Kim Jong-un of North Korea, business leaders have been in the news this last week, or religious leaders, and tragic cases of child sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church and some others. If corrupt leaders escape with little or no punishment, where's justice? Or maybe abusive relationships come to mind as evil. A husband to a wife, a wife to a husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, non-consensual sex, bullying. Abuse stories are devastating and I'm not raising any of it lightly. We want justice. So if Jesus says he's coming to judge evil, that's good news, isn't it? For sufferers. But what if you've done evil? Maybe not so good. Where do you fit in this schema? I'm not outright evil, so not in that green circle. But not outright innocent, so not in that circle. Maybe somewhere in the middle, overlapping. Now, I couldn't find it, but a few weeks ago, there was a tragic story of two parents lost a son uh, who was killed in a car accident at no fault of his own. And he was the same age as some of you, 21. His mum cries still every day over her lost son with his life ahead of him. I think it was drug driving. <clears throat> and he thinks, I wouldn't take drugs and drive. I wouldn't drink and drive. But if my phone goes off while I'm driving, sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just check it. Is that evil? Only if it causes harm, like that family? Or a micro-slip at the wheel, because I'm too proud to get someone else to drive for me. Evil? Our world is confused, and our media likes to point at others as evil, for sure, and shame, and makes us feel better. But Jesus does far better than this. Instead of just making us feel something, he actually shows us. He shows us our hearts, and his diagnosis isn't good. With a doctor, you want one who's going to tell you the full truth, don't you? The full truth. You don't want someone covering a half-truth or sugarcoating some news. Jesus loves us too much for that, and he shows us our evil hearts. And he gives us an objective measure for evil, whether globally or personally. 
out there or in here, what matters is our response to Jesus. So I'll ask, <clears throat> I'll ask you all to open up that text again from Mark 8. And if you take notes, there's an outline for you to do that. Um, I hope you're engaging and feel free to ask questions with us afterwards, please. Now, we're halfway through Mark's biography, as we said, in Mark chapter 8. Perhaps not ideal. Um, I said yesterday you don't start a Netflix series halfway through. But Mark 8 is the turning point of Mark's gospel. So there's some good news. Mark chapter 8, and start at the beginning with me. Sentence verse 27. And Jesus, Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Okay, Jesus has been on the move, and he's still on the move. He's been healing on the way, the blind, the deaf, the sick, the possessed, the paralysed. And he's done miracles. He's fed thousands, calmed the storms, even raised a dead girl to life. And he's been teaching about God's kingdom. So the question raised again and again is, who is this man? And he asks his 12 disciples who've been with him and who've seen it all. Again, 27. Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. Three interesting answers. All, all of them prophets, which is a spokesperson for God. Now, it's kind of like kind of like movie trailers. I am so looking forward to this movie, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, coming out in December. Yes. I don't know if my wife's looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And you know how they release the information? First, it's just the title. And everyone online goes, oh my goodness, the letters are in red. Look at the title. What's The Last Jedi? Not much to go on. Then you get a 60-second trailer, which is mostly just a black screen with sound. They're like, oh, come on. But we all get excited. Wow, did you hear that? And then there's a Vanity Fair photo shoot, a full um, sort of long extended story, behind the scenes, little bits. And then very soon, which is coming, just months before the release date, you get maybe a two or three minute trailer. And then we're just going, oh my goodness, this is incredible. Everyone gets excited before the final movie comes out. John the Baptist is like the last of those major trailers, the one that we're getting excited about, preparing the way for Jesus. But John was killed in Jesus' lifetime. So it raises the question, what does that mean for the feature, for the main one? Jesus. Okay. Who do you say Jesus is? <clears throat> Most students at UAW would say, I think he's a moral teacher. Um, he's, you've got some really nice um, hoodies around the room. This one's a nice one too. Circa 2015 fashion. We asked on campus, who do you think Jesus is? And we gave some suggested answers on the back. Not worth my time. 
just a good guy, the first two. And I think the designers of this captured the mood on campus. He's a good guy. He's a moral teacher. I once thought this too. But he's actually much more than that. We have a look at 29 with me. Verse 29. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Jesus is the Christ. It's not a typo. Here we go. <laughs> it's not a typo. It's not a name like Dwayne the Rock Johnson who's doing his iPhone Siri thing. It's not a species like Jabba the Hutt. Yes, we're back there in Star Wars. <laughs> it's actually a title describing his unique job. Like Dave, my mechanic. His name's Dave. His title, if you like, is mechanic. And his job description, which I like, is to fix cars. Jesus is his name. Title is Christ. And his job description is rule the world forever. The Christ, or Messiah, is the same word, to rule forever in God's plan. And you might go, wow. Or you might just go, what? A ruler forever. We shudder at the thought of anyone ruling for too long. Think of authoritarian dictators <coughs> like Kim Jong-un or Hitler, whose rule goes unchallenged, and it's terrible. <laughs> Unless it's someone as lovely as Queen Elizabeth II, <laughs> who... I think doesn't have any real power anyway. <laughs> what does it mean for Jesus to be the Christ? Well, he rules the world forever. But what does that look like? Well, so far in Mark's Gospel, it's healings, amazing miracles. Life in his kingdom, under his kingdom rule, is amazing. Amazing. If you know a good psychologist or psychiatrist or dentist or doctor or physio, you stick with them, don't you? Because they know you and you can trust them. As ruler forever, it means all evil will be measured by him. That is a massive claim. It's a massive claim. And we're going to unpack it. But that's our first point. Jesus, the Christ, is the ruler we can trust. And we can trust him because of what he did for us. Point number two. Remember, we're at that turning point in Mark. And finally, Peter, well done. Finally, someone knows who Jesus is. But it gets really awkward, really fast. Look at verse 31. And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's himself, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said, and he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I like watching soccer or football. And right now it's pre-season in England. And the English press do this nasty thing. 
They try to guess who is the first manager, the first coach, who's going to be sacked in the season. And they have odds on it, and you can bet on it. Crazy. Once a manager loses the confidence of his players, he's pretty much out. And the media love it, of course. They attack him. It's like Peter is an unhappy player under his manager. It's like he... Well, he actually does, it says, take Jesus aside. Now, normally it's the other way. It's the coach who you see with their arm around their player. Not here. It's the player. It's Peter with his arm around Jesus, taking Jesus aside. And he sort of says, what's all this about, Jesus? This isn't going to happen to you. Suffering and being rejected and being killed. You're the Christ, aren't you? You're going to rule forever? Things have been good with healings, this kingdom life. No. Suffering and death. Now, we might laugh at Peter as a hothead or a bit passionate, but he's totally serious. If you're living under a foreign superpower nation, as they are, the Roman Empire, and the Christ comes whose rule is forever. What does that mean? That means look out Rome. Now, could you imagine it? No, you couldn't imagine it, could you? Living under a threat from a a powerful nation? No. There's North Korea. Mm. It's got its intercontinental ballistic missiles that we're hearing could possibly reach mainland US. And if so... Well, it could reach the Australian mainland, not to mention all of Asia. But if you've got someone like the Christ, look out, Kim Jong-un, or any evil perpetrator. That is, if you've got the Christ with you, if you're with him. Jesus rebukes Peter. Look at 33. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It seems extreme, doesn't it? Jesus calls him Satan, the devil, who's opposed God from the beginning. It's because Peter opposes what Jesus must do in 31. He must suffer and must be killed. But Jesus must do it because it's, in 33, the things of God. It's God's plan. So in opposing what Jesus must do, Peter's actually opposing God, like Satan. But the question is, why must Jesus do it? What makes it so important, these things of God, that he must do? Well, it stems from God's great love. Twice more in Mark, Jesus will predict that he'll suffer and be killed and rise on the third day. And twice more, the disciples just don't get it. But after the final prediction, Jesus explains it using substitution language. Look at the screen for Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is a sum of money that's paid to release a captive. I've just watched The Honourable Woman on Netflix, and it is heavy going. I had to skip a lot of scenes that are unhelpful. 
but it just shows our world and our hearts, actually. A rich Englishman has to make a payment for the release of an Israeli soldier captured in Palestine. And I think it's a real issue, um, <coughs> ransom payments in the Middle East. That's a ransom payment. We've got them. We've got them out. So how is Jesus' death a ransom payment? A ransom from what? Well, let's look back, Mark 7, on the screen. And Jesus said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Like a chest x-ray up on the screen, on the wall for all to see, Jesus shows you your heart. Framed, did you see, from the start to end, as evil. What's evil? And by whose measure? The human heart is evil by Jesus' measure. Sexual immorality. It's not non-consensual sex like the world might define it, but any sex outside of the marriage that God's made. Murder. I once measured my goodness before God with this statement. I haven't murdered anyone. But Jesus says elsewhere, everyone who is angry, who's angry, is guilty of murder and liable to judgment of hell. Those are his words. And he's not speaking hyperbole. He loves us too much for that. Just look at how you interact with someone online, someone you disagree with who's clearly wrong, and see your angry heart. Or adultery. Jesus also says everyone who looks at someone with lust has committed adultery of the heart. Look at your search history or your recent views. See your adulterous heart. And yes, there's movements like Fight the New Drug that do see the problem of pornography, but they don't see it entirely, as we will see. Even atheist philosophers acknowledge that humans do bad things inexplicably. John Gray, the philosopher, says, we have a human tendency to hatred and destruction which flows from inherent human flaws. Okay? Sam Harris is a neuroscientist, an atheist, an author, who says we just need more lab testing and data from our brains. He's a neuroscientist. We need more data so that we can make moral choices and not be evil. But even he admits people still make irrational and immoral choices. Interesting. Now, going back to Gray, he goes so far as to say of Jesus, not enough is known to say with any confidence on what Jesus may himself have believed about human evil. Rubbish! Mark 7, Jesus is very clear about human evil, and it's your heart. For all of John Gray's intellectual brilliance, 
and all of Sam Harris's neuroscientific brilliance, this is where they're blind. And this is where you and I will also be blind to our problem by looking just to this horizontal plane, this interpersonal level of I steal from you, or I kill you, I deceive you, I lustfully look at you. As damaging as they are, our evil actions and our words and our thoughts are all a vertical affront and opposition to God. All of them. All of them show that we, are, that we oppose God. All those things that we're ashamed of. Those thoughts that only you know. You and God. A world opposed to God. Seven billion people and counting. Where's justice then? Throughout the Bible, God loves justice for his people. And so he won't let evil go unpunished. It's part of his character. So terrorism, corrupt leadership and abuse and these things that leave us crying for justice, God cares about them. He cares about this world that's opposed to him, which is why every human heart will stop and each one of us will die because of our hearts opposed to him. And left to ourselves, all we all face an eternal judgment of hell. I said it's heavy today. And it's words of Jesus. If you're not a follower of his today, you're standing under that judgment as you sit here. But what did Jesus say he must do? He must suffer and die as a ransom payment for many to get us out, to ransom us from death and judgment of hell. He committed no evil, and his death was a huge injustice, massive. But he trusted the things of God fully and obeyed God by dying for us, our substitute in our place to take our punishment and so ransom us from judgment. Remember we said all evil will be measured against him? Well, Jesus rose to life, as he said, forever as God's appointed judge of all. And we've got these words, the last reference from Acts 17. Verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Turn to him, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Who's that man? And of this he has given us, he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus the Christ. All world people, globally out there, personally in here will be measured and judged by Jesus whether one trusts in Jesus the ruler we can trust because he suffered death for us where are you going to go from here point three will you trust this ruler Jesus and follow him who died for you that's what he asks 
And I'll, I'll read for us these last verses in Mark from 34. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? What can a man give in return for his life? That's payment language again. I've got one more TV show to share with you. <clears throat> Michael Mosley's Meet the Humans. This episode was called Nostalgia Trip. Michael Mosley's a doctor and gets all these humans in a room with secret cameras and we get to watch their exchanges. And it's so interesting. It's really good. Um, <clears throat> this one's Nostalgia Trip. He recreated a social situation of these high schoolers. <coughs> well, 32 years ago, they were high schoolers. They're 50 now, and it's really interesting seeing their exchanges. And, um, it's all done in a good spirit. <clears throat> but some of them actually disclose and share how they were hurt by a classmate years ago, and they've actually carried that through them all through life and had a big effect. But once they actually shared it to the student who hurt them, and they've got these um, things monitoring their heartbeat, you can actually see the heart rate goes straight down after they've just shared it with someone after 32 years. You guys are what, a few years out of school? Maybe, maybe you can try something like this. <clears throat> this was the conclusion. Spoilers. The experts, Michael Mosley and his doctors, gave tips on extending life for another 30 odd years. Ready? You can um, maybe tell some of your parents who might be in this age group. Diet and exercise, of course, diet and exercise, always diet and exercise. Healthy relationships and learning something new, like a language to keep your brain going. That's it. That's the best on offer. Leave that room and diet and exercise, improve relationships, work on your brain, and you'll maybe prolong your earthly life. That's the best horizontal data there is. Soon you will leave this room. Where are you going? I know some of you have to go to class. Sorry about that. <laughs> Maybe home. You can come lunch with us. Everyone's welcome. Pop down to Careers Central. There's something actually in the St George Hub for that today. You'll go to exams, graduation, job, maybe family, uh, marriage maybe, a house, some more nice things. The world, a long life. But what good is it, says Jesus, if you gain the whole world but lose your life? It would be too easy to forget what you've heard today and leave it aside and just go on life as normal. Like hearing you've got, you've seen your heart diagnosis and you've even been given the solution of this amazing payment. But no, that we've seen that this week as we've gone out and invited students. Some of them really get what Jesus has done, it seems. Yeah, it's amazing how I could be forgiven by God. Oh, do you want to come and investigate more with Jesus with us? Come to a Bible talk? Oh, no. 
you've heard the honest words of someone who loves you too much. The data from above. God's words. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't be ashamed of Jesus' words. Verse 38, the last verse, second last verse, yeah. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. In this age of a world opposed to God, you're going to be confronted with lots of evils on a global scale out there. But yes, some will hit on a personal scale. And we won't know why for a lot of it. We won't know why there is evil. This side of heaven with Jesus. But what do we know in following him? Our evil has been dealt with in full. In full by Jesus. And we know the measure by which God will judge all evil. A massive statement. But it's Jesus' words. It's by the man God has appointed, Jesus, whom he raised from the dead and who Christians wait on for him to return and to judge. Jesus will come again to judge evil. And this is great comfort for those who trust him in a world that's opposed to God. Will you follow and trust Jesus, who the ruler we can trust because he suffered death for us? I'm going to pray that prayer that I flagged for you at the beginning. So if you could all take it up, the papers, the paper you got on the inside, middle column, in the small font at the bottom. Let me read it through, just so that you can know what it says. And if you want to make this your prayer to God, then we can do that in a moment. But what it says is, Heavenly Father, I know I've, not, I know I've lived in opposition to you because of my evil heart. Thank you that Jesus died for me taking my punishment to ransom me from hell. I want to live with Jesus as my Saviour and Lord. Help me live a new life trusting and obeying Jesus until he returns to judge you. If you want to make this your prayer, I'm going to read it and pray through it one line at a time slowly and then I'll pause and you can say exactly that, what you're reading and hearing, quietly in your heart to God, who hears you. So I'll ask, I'll invite us all uh, to bow our heads, and you can make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, I know I have lived in opposition to you because of my evil heart. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Taking my punishment to ransom me from hell. I want to live with Jesus as my Saviour and Lord.
Help me live a new life, trusting and obeying Jesus. Until he returns to judge all people. Amen. As I said yesterday, if you did pray that prayer for the first time, there's rejoicing in heaven, is what the Bible says. And at Uni Bible Group, we want to rejoice with you as a new brother or sister in Christ and help you live a new life following Jesus, which is not always easy. But what would be helpful is if you did pray that prayer um, to let us know that, and you can do that on that response card, on the response slip that Sam will tell us about. But please speak to one of us as well. Christian friends, you can speak to me and we'd love to help you as you follow me. Hey, I'm going to pray now. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm a second year international commerce student. Um, and it would be great to yeah, pray together. If you, you agree with what I've said, you can say Amen, which means I agree. Um, so I'm going to pray now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we have the opportunity to come here and to hear from your Bible. I we thank you for the way that you have spoken through your Bible and through John. And we thank you for the words that he said to us. And we thank you that you are a God that cares deeply about this world, that you care deeply about the evil that goes in the world, and you're not okay with it. We thank you, Father, that you will judge all the world in all the evil that it is, and you will fix that when you come again. We pray, Father, we would remember this. We would see the evil that you have revealed to us in all of our hearts. We would look to turn back to you, to accept your help, and to trust in you. We thank you that you willingly do this for us, and you did this for us by dying on the cross. Amen. Amen.